Hello and welcome back to Westmont Works. The semester is rapidly coming to a close and I'm sure we all feel the pressures of school piling on. If you have found time in your busy schedule to tune in, I applaud you. It feels nice to take a little breather and listen to some uplifting sentiments and remind yourself that despite all the stressors of life, we are surrounded by the love of God. He tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to keep you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Today, Westmont Works is proud to welcome Westmont College alum Ruthie Hoffman Hanchett. Ruthie has been a leader in the field of children's and women's rights, human trafficking, and gender equality for over a decade. While working for World Vision International from 2004 to 2013, she regularly represented the organization to global political leaders, the UN Human Rights Council, UN Committee on the Rights of the Child, UN Girls Education Initiative, and the NGO Advisory Council on Violence Against Children. One of her favorite responsibilities was enabling children and youth around the globe to speak out for justice. Ruthie is currently an adjunct professor of human trafficking at Vanguard University, serving on the board of Vanguard University's Global Center for Women and Justice, and the coach of Vanguard's Live to Free Student Club, which trains hundreds of students on human trafficking every year. Ruthie is also the founder of the Fullerton Human Trafficking Partnership. Ruthie often lectures and speaks locally and internationally on issues related to human trafficking, faith and justice, and especially how youth and communities can be empowered to end exploitation. Ruthie is a volunteer with the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, a wife, and a mama to two little girls. Alrighty, so today we have with us Professor Ruthie Hoffman Hanchett, and she's here to talk to us today about how our paths can change post-graduation and just how God uses our experiences to guide us in new directions for his glory. So Ruthie, we are so excited to have you on Westmont Works with us today. Thanks. It's fun to be here. So just take us through, um, starting all the way back with your Westmont experience. What was um, it like for you to be a student at Westmont? Oh, my years at Westmont were amazing. <laughs> I had so much fun and had such a time of growth for me. Uh, but I finished in 2002 and I was a communication studies major. And I knew that I wanted to do something in the realm of social justice. That was something that was on my heart and something that God has at, had actually spoken to me very clearly, distinctly when I was at Westmont. I have a couple of specific memories of especially of chapels uh, once when a the chapel speaker was Dean Hirsch, who was at the time the president of World Vision International. Oh, and I just felt very clearly like God was calling me to some to international justice sort of work wow. and a desire to help the poor and especially most vulnerable and marginalized communities and children. Um, yeah. Another time, again, a speaker from uh, World Vision, Roberta Houstonis, who served on our board board at Westmont and also on the World Vision Board shared a story about her experiences. And I, I just, again, God clearly giving me direction and path in that. Yeah. Um, and in studying communication, I knew I had a desire to engage people in 
pursuing what's right, what's just, what's fair. And this ability to use those skills of kind of persuasion and, and speech making to, to engage and encourage people in that work. So I was interested in something in public relations, advocacy, kind of speaking out for the poor and marginalized. Um, And then again, when I was at Westmont, I had an opportunity to take just it was sort of a random class at the end of my senior year. I got to take a class with Jeff Schloss, Dr. Schloss, and he had a course, and I think the titles has changed since then, but it's something around developing world, ethical problems, biological solutions, kind of discussing wow. some of the big questions of like, why are there so many poor people in the world? What is a Christian supposed to do in response? What is even biological kind of understandings of race and ethnicity, uh, you know, hint is they're, they're not, <laughs> but, but like how we socially construct those ideas and where mm-hmm. their biological foundations are and how do we respond as, as Christians who are seeking to do the well in the world and love others fairly, what does that look like for our response? Yeah. And that just opened my eyes to, I think a lot of these conversations that I wanted to continue to pursue. So right after Westmont, I had a chance to go down to Belize and live in the jungle for six months with um, a a group that at the time was called Target Earth and again, had Westmont connections and networks. So Dr. Schloss um, welcomed me and introduced me to the organization and the leaders there. And I got a small job kind of as an RD of the program that was there where students were studying um, how to, you know, ecological issues, um, environmental stewardship, development, yeah. things like that. But part of my experience was just living with people who were experiencing poverty. So mm-hmm. I got to volunteer with um, a women's group where women were selling handicrafts and trying to just make earn a living where in a village where they lived on dirt floors and thatch roofs. Um, yeah. I got to volunteer in a school where kids you know, sat on wooden benches with not enough textbooks and teachers that weren't properly trained. Mm. And I saw the challenges that they faced. And I also, it really sparked in me a desire to um, engage children in understanding their rights Mm. and opportunities for education. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, (laughs) So is that what you expected um, to be doing after you graduated? No, it just seemed like a great adventure, you know, and it was kind of like, what do I do next? Um, I think one of the realities that was really challenging and hard after I left Westmont, and again, this is 20 years ago, but (laughs) you guys are probably not in a too different of a situation. Now, the economy was difficult. Mm -hmm. I had such a hard time finding the kind of career job that I was excited for, right? So leaving Westmont, I had so many grand ideas. I had so much desire to change the world, make a difference, leave my mark, you know, use my potential. And then it was like, oh, you could be a secretary. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted to lead the organization, not just, you know, take the notes. So I think that humility of finding out that I had so much more to learn, but also the ability to gain experience was so important for me. And so living and working in the jungles of Belize, you know, um, on barely any money, but having those experiences beyond my kind of sheltered experience before that was really critical. And something that I do now is that I teach college students is I really try to encourage them to get as much experience in real life as they can right right now while they're students, whether that's through internships, 
or, um, you know, job experiences, summer programs, you know, finding out what they're passionate about and putting those skills to use, but also not even necessarily waiting for a job to do that. You know, a lot of my students that I work with at Vanguard University, we have an anti-trafficking club that I help them and coach them in. And they go out and they volunteer in the communities, they work with survivors, they do advocacy work. Because that's what they are passionate about and what they want to do. And so those real experiences give them a lot of opportunity to learn as well as, you know, build their resumes and build their skills. So I I felt like when I left Westmont, I had lots of ambition, but not a lot of those real life experiences quite yet. So um, it took me some time to develop those. But I ended up after Belize going back to graduate school, which again was sort of not necessarily planned. It was just sort of like, I couldn't find any great jobs. I knew I knew I was a good student and why not? You know, it seemed like a good, a good step to take to gain more of the experience and the skills that I wanted for the kind of jobs I was most interested in. Yeah. But it was while I was in graduate school that I took an internship with World Vision International. So okay. um, that part-time position turned into a longer-term position, which turned into a full-time job. And it was, again, even, I think the fact that I wasn't applying for kind of the career choice I wanted, but just coming in as an intern really did help me gain access and then prove my abilities, my work ethic, my um, power to stay and make a contribution. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just so cool. And, And like you said, it's, it's hard to, you know, find those balances. You know what I mean? I think that as the cove, you know, it's really such a great um, uh, department on campus because it's about, okay, how do you build a resume? How do you gain these experiences? Here are the opportunities that we can connect you with. But like you said, the biggest chunk of that is having a desire, a passion, a drive to go do something. And I feel like right now it's such an interesting time to be a college student because right now we're looking at the world and being like, okay, maybe that's not my passion because that's kind of where that's going. And, and it's just so interesting. Um, so, I mean, what, piece of advice do you have for students who are like, you know, I don't really know what my passion is, or I don't think I can make money from my passion, you because that's all these doubts that are sometimes being fed college students. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) well, I, it's hard, maybe contradictory advice, but I think follow your passion and your desire, Mm. and your where you think your, your skills are and, and expect that the money will follow in some way. (laughs) Um, And and I think, yeah, if you are doing what you know is what God has called you to do, um, the, the amount of money, it won't be as important. You're going to be much more satisfied. (laughs) So I think that there are so many ways to help others. And some, you know, and sometimes that does mean, that there's a paycheck attached to it, but sometimes <laughs> it means putting a lot of your efforts into volunteering and um, just showing up and doing the work. And maybe that will turn into a full-time job someday, or maybe it won't, but it will bring you that satisfaction that informs and, and shapes the rest of your life. Yeah. So for me, you know, I actually learned about human trafficking, which is the area that I work in now. Um, when I was a Westmont student, I was on a semester abroad program in Washington, D.C. I went to a random meeting on the Hill, and there I heard about human trafficking for the very first time, mm-hmm. and it was it was just something that I couldn't turn away from, and yeah. truly my life has been shaped around making a contribution, learning about the issue, to, uh, teaching others, and trying to be a part of that movement to end human trafficking since that point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not everyone's struck by a single issue, but I think we can all find things that just, you know, I tell my students, sometimes it's the thing that makes your blood boil. You know, what makes you angry, righteous anger, or what makes you excited and gives you life? go towards those things and mm-hmm. whether they look like a real job or they, you have to invent it along the way. Right. Um, you go towards that energy, that passion that you feel and find ways to, to apply the skills and the strengths and the training that you have to do that work. Absolutely. And, and real quick, just because what you do as far as, um, you know, advocacy for human trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. I would just love to to talk about that just because this is such a great platform um, mm-hmm. to get the word out. So what um, should college students or just everyone be aware of as far as the work you do and, and human trafficking in general? Yeah, I mean, I think the first is to know that absolutely human trafficking and modern day slavery exist mm-hmm. today and around the globe. You know, when I first learned about it 20 years ago, it was kind of a new topic. People would, I'd bring it up and they'd be like, huh, what's that? Now I feel like the, there's much more recognition and understanding that it happens, but there's still a lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even recently, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of myths and misinformation rising up, especially through social media. Um, The issue of human trafficking has been somewhat co-opted by a lot of conspiracy theorists. And so you see false claims made about, you know, inflated numbers and kind of the very worst possible scenarios and that are kind of promoted as much more common. But the truth is that human trafficking happens around the globe. There is an estimated 40 million people in the world today who are experiencing some form of modern day slavery. Um, there it's happening, you know, in every country, including especially those that are poor developing countries where people experience poverty, inequality, injustice, um, lack of resources, and especially educational opportunities. Yeah. But Everywhere around the globe, even here where I live in Orange County, human trafficking is happening. It's happening in Santa Barbara. Um, And especially in the United States, kind of the two most common ways that it's happening are, first of all, through sexual exploitation of women and men, boys and girls, but especially um, teens, youth uh, that are being exploited and really forced into situations of commercial sex. So whether that looks like prostitution pornography, um, even sugar dating is something that's rising on college campuses where girls are sort of promised these mutually beneficial relationships with older men that will pay their bills, help pay off tuition, but quickly turns into situations of coercion, exploitation, and even slavery and abuse. Um, But then the other way that we see especially trafficking happening here in Southern California and around the world is labor trafficking is the most common form of exploitation, which is really when um, people are promised a job, they're given an opportunity to work, and then they're not paid appropriately. So that can be uh, someone who's truly forced into labor, but it could be someone who's promised a job. Maybe they lack documentation. They're a new immigrant to the community and then they're not paid and they're told, Hey, if you complain, we'll call ice. And so that threat, that coercion, that power relationship and dynamic is used to exploit and get money or services from that person. And they're not paid appropriately or fairly. So that's happening around the globe. And because we live in a global economy Mm -hmm. as consumers, we may not even know that we're contributing to this problem. You know, so we may purchase an item that was picked or grown or sewn by a slave in another country and then Mm -hmm. imported and we purchased it at the local store. Um, And then certainly 
pornography is one of the major ways that commercial sexual exploitation is proliferated and people are consuming this product of porn without realizing that oftentimes people are forced into that. Right. Oh my gosh. And, and all of those, you know, just like you're saying is we live in such a commercial society. And so it's so hard mm-hmm. to, to first of all, know the difference, but then also to, to have restraint when it's just being shoved in your face, you know, so Absolutely. understanding that and, and conducting ourselves more cautiously is just yeah. so good to know. And taking control of that narrative, like t- yeah. learning more about these issues, talking about them. Um, the other piece that I haven't mentioned yet is just the strong connection between sexual abuse and mm-hmm. um so many survivors share their experiences of experiencing sexual abuse, especially as children and how that is part of that story that oftentimes lead to a, sort of a feeling of the inevitability of this exploitation, this uh, vulnerability to be exploited by traffickers. So I think in our society, we also need to talk about the way women and girls especially are sexualized, um, considered sex objects, the way sexual abuse is so prevalent for boys and girls and how we need to talk about it in order for children to heal and to be protected from that turning into a lifetime of exploitation and abuse. Exactly. Yeah. I I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say some really great resources. So I work for the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University is where Mm -hmm. I work and teach and train. So we have resources at the Global Center for Women and Justice to learn more about human trafficking. Also, I always recommend the uh, Polaris Project is the U.S. um, nonprofit organization that also runs our human trafficking hotline. So there's a great website where you can learn more about what is human trafficking, signs, things to look out for, what to do if you suspect it. Um, And their hotline, which is 888-3737-888 is a place to call to learn more or to report if you see or hear or know of anything that looks like human trafficking. Um, And they also have texting options too. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad you put that plug in too, just because it it only takes, you know, just one person to be aware of this and then that just spreads. And and like you said, this is not something where it's more prevalent, you know, in some, I mean, there, it is more prevalent, but it's worldwide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's it's not like it's only happening in certain areas. It it can be anywhere and it is everywhere. So um, I'm just so glad that you put in that plug. And this is something that you're so passionate about, which is so good for all of our listeners to hear because whether they're also passionate about human trafficking or uh, they're passionate about um, uh, race, uh, understanding race and racism and and bringing down that, whatever it is, finding that passion and Mm -hmm. and charging towards it. You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. like you said, that's what Mm -hmm. God's calling is in each of our lives. Um, yeah. and so I'm so glad that you're just advocating not only what you're passionate about, but for others to to pursue their passions in that way as well. Yeah. And the thing about injustice and these kind of issues is that so many of them are interrelated. So, you know, we could talk a long time about how race and inequality intersect with human trafficking and exploitation right. and how that produces more vulnerability. And it's, yeah. you know, it looks like racism as we may understand it here in the United States, but any, any culture, any community where there's of vulnerability where certain groups are marginalized, where they're denied education or rights or access to resources, you see greater vulnerability to right. human trafficking as well. So I think that so many of these issues, once you start uncovering and peeling back the layers, you just see how interconnected they are and how 
you know, it can be overwhelming, but every step we take is working towards a more just and, you know, really heaven on earth, you know, God's yes. kingdom. So we, as we take steps and we learn more and we unpeel these kind of layers of any injustice and inequity, we also are moving towards um, just more wholeness in so many areas and directions. Exactly. And I'm sure, you know, it's so funny, like, uh, so I'm a senior. And so it's like, when you're on the cusp of like going out into the world, sometimes it feels so daunting. You're like, oh my gosh, there is so much that needs to be fixed. So many wrongs that Mm -hmm. need to be turned right. And then, you know, you realize there is such a community, not only through Westmont, but just through the world, we are, you know, part of the body of Christ. And it's, Mm -hmm. if each of us are pursuing something and each of us are following his calling, then Mm -hmm. it's, everything will be brought to Shalom eventually because there's such a number of us, you know what I mean? If we're Mm -hmm. pursuant of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so great talking with you, Ruthie. And and I just want to, you know, ask if you have any wisdom that you can impart on, on all of us uh, outside of the wisdom that you've already given. (laughs) Oh, well, I think as I shared a little bit, I think I encourage young people as much as possible to begin to do the work that they're passionate about mm-hmm. now yeah. <laughs> um, to gain those experiences. And like you said, we're mentioning just working towards what they're passionate about, what they are curious about, mm-hmm. um, not being afraid by the overwhelming nature of things. You know, it is right. so big and there are a million things you could do, but start with one, um, you know, cause I think I'm, the kind of person that can sometimes get paralyzed by, well, if I try this, then maybe I don't have time for this. And, you know, but it's like, start somewhere and see where that leads. And, um, and, and also at the same time, see the big picture, see the connections, how your efforts in one area can contribute to justice and change and wholeness in other areas. Um, and so, yeah, dive in, whether that means volunteering, starting, you know, taking an internship or a position, uh, a part-time job that maybe is more interesting, but doesn't pay well. And you have to work that second job to pay for it, you know, but, but getting those experiences, especially outside of your own experience, whatever that might look like, whether it's outside of your ethnicity and cultural experiences, your national experience, your um, economic experience, you know, just taking on new perspectives, seeing the world as others see it, um, embracing that challenge that something of something new. I think it's so critical, especially at this age where you have a lot of freedom to, to be honest, like, you know, I've got kids and a house and a husband and all these <laughs> things that I've got it that I'm connected to now, but there, you have so much freedom when you're young to take on and try those new things. So yeah. be willing to do, to try those but um, especially don't be afraid to start something new, whether that's a club on campus, whether that's, you know, for the writing to your senator for the first time, going to a protest march for the first time, just mm-hmm. get out there. And if you feel like you're the only one, you'll probably find others who are willing to join you. And if if it takes being the first to take that first step, you know, I think people will come alongside. But absolutely look for the community, like you said, and there will be others who will support you in that. Oh, absolutely. Well, this has just been such a treat. We are so thankful that you were able to join us today and just breathe into our lives. Um, And honestly, what's so fun is we actually have several students just that I know who are so passionate about what you do about human trafficking and all that. So um, if, you know, if you're open and willing to, I'm sure that people are going to come to you um, or ask for your, you know, uh, contact information to get in contact with you. Um, But this has just been so wonderful, Ruthie. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. 
A big thank you to all of you who tuned in today. We are so blessed by amazing community leaders, not only on our Westmont campus and in Santa Barbara, but actually nationally, how um, alum and so many others are leading initiatives across our country and really across our world um, to bring the kingdom of God closer to us. So as we're wrapping up this semester, we have a few more podcasts coming up, but really we're starting to wind down here at the Cove. I'm sure you've all had the chance to speak with your CDAs, maybe go to some of the events that they've been hosting, but this is all just a reminder to keep being involved in Cove, whether you're looking to have a leadership position next school year, or if you just use us as a resource to keep coming to get interview tips and resume building instructions. Um, We are here and we love to work with all of you. So I hope you have a blessed week and we look forward to working with you soon. So thank you for allowing Westmont Works to work with you.